lovely organ music. Welcome to this episode of The Comical Heathen. We always start with that music, and I don't usually comment on it right at the top of the show, but I will say uh, we use this Bach organ music for our intro, and that is being played by my friend Mark Bell on the famous Skinner organ on the campus of Lake Erie College out in Painesville, Ohio. Organ enthusiasts are well aware of both the organ and the organist. Uh, so thank you, Mark Bell. Uh, but that was a little distraction listening to the lead-in music. This is our podcast, The Comical Heathen. I am your host, Dr. Jerry Jaffe. I want to welcome you to this podcast. I am writing a book about religious satire. So I started interviewing comedians and some other writers and interesting folks. And I decided to turn some of those interviews into this podcast. So that's what we're doing here today. In fact, today's interview guest is the great Bill Squire. You might know Bill Squire. He's a headlining comedian out of Cleveland, tours the Midwest, tours the country, also a member of the uh, WMMS 100.7 Alan Cox Show team, radio personality, big supporter of local uh, comedy here in Cleveland. Uh, He's been on my other podcast, The Gold Star Classroom. I might include a link to that. That was a few years ago. Uh, It was a good episode. Him and Anthony Savat. Um, Check that out, too. We've done shows together. He's done my show out in Mentor at Toth's Place a couple times. And he's just like a supportive, positive type of guy. Uh, We met up in the um, WMMS offices and uh, sat in a little spare studio. It was nice to uh, look behind the scenes over WMMS. To be honest, it's just an office building. There's some hallways. Uh, You've probably seen the site before. If you've ever been in an office building, it's the same thing. Let me tell you more about the interview in a minute. Let me get a couple of other announcements in here. Uh, first of all, I want to remind everybody that the first ever Comical Heathen live show is right around the corner. I'm recording this on October 13th, and our first show is one week from today, October 20th, at the uh, Not Your Parents Basement in the Electric Pinball Parlor that's in the basement of the 78th Street Galleries. Uh, there, that's next Sunday. There's $5 tickets. They're available online or at the door. There will be some door prizes. I got my friend John Hensler opening for me. It'll be a show of all satire. So please come on out and support that. And I'll also just add in that my plan with this show is to take it on the road. I'm looking at venues in Columbus and Toledo right now, uh, Cincinnati for sure. So it's going to be on the road in 2020. And as part of that, I have already added a second show. I'm going to do it several times in Cleveland as part of launching it, getting my uh, material together and tight. So the next one, after October 20th, is going to be on December 8th. Same venue. December is a month of holidays. I'm going to call this the holiday edition. Give you a little teaser. The December 8th show is going to include my uh, breakdown of the song Winter Wonderland. And uh, we'll have some holiday-themed activities as well. Hey, uh, so that is the Comical Heathen Live show is launching October 20th. We're looking forward to that. So I'm recording on October 13th, which is a strangely important day in the Jaffe household. It is gotcha day for our rabbit, Kelvin. My wife and I keep uh, two Holland Lops, Kelvin and Newton. They're sort of the unofficial mascots of the show. And today, October 13th, is actually the anniversary of the day we adopted Kelvin. We went, picked him up, took him home. It's like his adoption day. My wife keeps calling it Gotcha Day. She's uh, been going on and on about Gotcha Day for the past couple of weeks. That's what she does. I asked her if tomorrow we're going to have a 364-day countdown to Kelvin's third Gotcha Day. 
And she said, of course not. In six weeks from now is Newton's Gotcha Day. So we all have that to look forward to. Look for cute photos of Kelvin and Newton on the Facebook page and so on that goes with this podcast. Hey, that's a little update about what's going on with our rabbits. I want to say one of the side effects of keeping rabbits as a pet is that we um, line their cages with newspapers. It's kind of ironically, I've started reading headlines again. Sometimes uh, headlines pop out at me. I'll tell you about a headline that popped out at me from the bottom of the rabbit cage this week. It's popped out because I saw the words demon-possessed. Demon-possessed caught my eye because, you know, it's October. That's Halloween. I thought there might be a Linda Blair Film Festival coming on. Sadly, no. Instead, there was a headline saying that that old TV preacher, Jim Baker, recently called the left, the American political left, demon-possessed. They say possession is nine-tenths of the law. Of course, the people who say that are usually the ones that have nine-tenths of the stuff. What about demonic possession? What about Jim Baker? Do you remember Jim Baker? He was that televangelist that years ago became notorious because he drugged his 21-year-old secretary, Jessica Hahn, and then raped her with his TV co-host, then paid her to keep quiet with money from their ministry. Turns out they were keeping two sets of books, mafia-style. He wound up going to prison over all of this. If you don't know who Jim Baker is, you can look up this made-for-TV movie from 1990. And the role of Jim Baker is played by... Ready for... Wait, Red Kevin Spacey. I mean, he's one of those actors that really gets into character. I mean, I've heard of method acting, but this is just ridiculous. So Baker's back in the news. He's back with a show. You can see him on the YouTubes and all of that. Calling people disagree with demon-possessed. That is the worst ad hominem attack since Trump's last debate against anyone. And never mind proof. How do you prove that your political opponent is demon-possessed? How does political fact check that? Our staff rates that claim as pants on hellfire. Baker is evoking demons in a political debate, but somehow it's the left who are too extreme. Even the Ayatollah was like, sure, theocracy, but come on, bro. Now, we must admit, Baker is an expert on being possessed. His whole body was once possessed by the little demon between his legs, causing him to drug and rape his secretary until he had the demon exercised all over his secretary. So somehow he's the moral light we should be following. And evangelicals are always playing the demon card. You might have heard this other super rich televangelist who's terrified of demons, Kenneth Copeland. Except the demons he's terrified of are the ones that can only afford to fly economy. That's right, that was the reason he gave for needing to upgrade his private jet. Because taking a regular plane would mean and this is a direct quote from Kenneth Copeland, sharing a long tube with a bunch of demons. I mean, Jesus rode into town on the back of a donkey, but we're waiting for confirmation of whether or not it was a first-class donkey or just a regular demon-possessed one. And Copeland could never ride a donkey anyway because evangelicals are afraid of too much ass-on-ass action. You know, Jesus once said, Come on to me, all who are weary. Except for you demon-possessed motherfuckers. To you I say, be gone, back into coach. The closest Copeland comes to doing anything resembling the ways of Jesus is when he walks down the aisle of his private jet as it flies over water. There was another evangelical in the news recently, Benny Hinn. Benny Hinn has grown super rich preaching the prosperity gospel 
but he recently renounced it. Benny's full name, by the way, is Benedictus, which is convenient because it has Dick right in it. And don't confuse them with Benny Ha, which is a restaurant. Benny Hinn is an evangelical preacher. I like my steaks rare and my evangelical conmen rarer. He's known as a faith healer, and his faith healing has been well documented by several journalists. And by well documented, I mean totally busted as fraudulent. Faith healing is worse than a placebo. It's less effective, a lot more expensive, and preys on people's fears. Going to a faith healer is like going on a roller coaster to cure your nausea. Just because you have faith that it'll work doesn't change the fact that you paid $75 entrance fee and that your shirt is covered in vomit. But last month, Benny Hinn was in the news. He claims that he's changed his mind. The jerk didn't even weep or beg forgiveness. He was just like, remember how for decades I got super rich by convincing you to give me some more money than you could afford because you were desperate? Yeah, well, I'm all set now, so never mind. Uh, that wasn't a direct quote. That was me paraphrasing. Don't be worried, though. This is the fifth time in his career he has renounced the prosperity gospel, only to take it up again a short time later. Man, that guy is addicted to prosperity gospel. Maybe he needs a support group like AA, but for con men. Hello, my name is Benny Hinn. Hello, Benny Hinn. And I have conned a lot of people with the prosperity gospel. And when I say a lot, I mean a lot. Now, where are the cookies? They could meet in the basement of one of his churches, and then he could charge them a rental fee. That's Evangelical Business 101. Prosperity Gospel preaches that God wants all men to be wealthy, and the more of your money that you send into him or whoever, then the more God will pay you back. It's like a pyramid scheme, where the poor people build the pyramid and him is the pharaoh. You know, when he renounced Prosperity Gospel, my favorite part is when he pledged to donate all of his ill-gotten prosperity gains to charities for the poor and to, help, and to help hospitals and orphans and stuff like that, which, of course, he didn't, because why would he? Just because he says he, quote, adjusted his theology doesn't mean he's fucking stupid. And after that, he proceeded to chase around two scantily clad buxom blondes in bikinis. There was some dude in a gorilla suit and a 90-year-old bellhop for some reason as yakety sax played in the background. No, wait, that's Benny Hill. And these preachers go to some absurd lengths to keep their positions of power. There's an evangelical, ultra-rich preacher down in Brazil, Edir Macedo. And he was in the news this month because uh, he made, said in a speech that he told his daughters not to go to college. Since 1977, this guy has raked in a billion dollars. Billion with a B, a B for his BS. And with that kind of prosperity, his daughters wouldn't even need any student loans. His reasoning is that if his daughters had too much education, they couldn't be properly submissive to their husbands. They might accidentally read a book by Charles Darwin or Christopher Hitchens, watch a porno in their dorm room, go streaking with their sorority sisters, and end up quitting the church and voting for Bernie Sanders. It may sound like that Macedo is afraid of intelligent women like some men fear spiders, but hey, cut the guy some slack. He's just trying to prepare his daughters for a happy and successful marriage in the 1800s. Both of my daughters graduated from college, and I feel like going to college prepared them for a successful marriage, not to any 18th century evangelical dickheads whose marriage advice comes from a book 
that calls a divorced woman who remarries an adulteress, but in the same book says a woman who has four children is a virgin. I'm not taking marriage advice from a book that says pi equals three. Yeesh, God, learn how to calculate the area of a circle before butting in. And all this evangelical marriage talk reminds me of Paige Patterson, that Southern Baptist preacher who got in trouble for saying abused women should pray, not divorce. When women went to Paige Patterson with complaints of their husbands hitting them, he followed up by hitting them with the biggest book he owned, the Bible. Patterson was fired from his position for telling women with stories of domestic abuse to pray. Now that he's unemployed, I wonder if he's praying for a new job or if he like does something for himself, like send out resumes, go to job interviews, check the newspapers, Indeed.com, LinkedIn. I bet he's not just praying, the idiot. And hey, evangelicals have a higher than average divorce rate and they also have a higher than average rate of voting for Trump. So maybe making good decisions just isn't their thing. And by the way, going to college also prepared my daughters for not marriage. Since who gives a fuck? This isn't the 1800s and not everyone has to get married. I don't care if they get married, don't get married, gay, straight, go to church, become an atheist, as long as I personally don't have to pay for anything. My promise to you is that if I ever have the chance to fly first class, I will do something nice for you, like shake your hand. But no way I'm riding in coach. Not with all those demons and stuff. I mean, I'm not, and I won't ask any people to get out their checkbooks for any invisible products like faith healing or prosperity gospel or the keys to heaven or anything like that. Uh, but if you're interested in buying some of my merchandise, I'll be at the back of the club after the show. I sell shot glasses and CDs and I have a t-shirt. But hey, those are real products, not invisible products. I take cash only, no checks. Sorry about that. Hey, you know, I got to do something. These student loans ain't going to pay for themselves. And listen, I'm not trying to ruin anybody else's good time. It's not about your dogma. It's my karma. And that's what I found at the bottom of the rabbit cage today. So let's segue our attention over to my interview with Bill Squire. I'll just give you a little teaser. We talked about his religious upbringing. If you didn't know, he was raised a Mormon. And he actually did a missionary work in the Philippines. Sort of. He'll explain that himself. He gives his take on the new Dave Chappelle special. Hey, so those are some of the things that we talk about. He gives his advice to young comedians who want to try satire. Well, hey, let's get into it. So coming up next, my interview with Bill Squire. This is your host, Dr. Jerry Jaffe, and I'm really thrilled right now to be sitting with Cleveland comedian, headliner, and co-host of the Alan Cox Show on WMMS 100.7, Bill Squire. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for doing this with me, Bill. I'm currently writing a book about religious satire, so I've been going around interviewing comedians and other interesting people. Let me ask a couple questions about you, Bill, for people listening who are just being introduced to you. Uh, When did you start doing comedy? I started doing comedy in 2004. It was May of 2004. And okay. just started doing stand-up, and it was actually uh, my transition from being, you know, in a religious upbringing to okay. being, you know, more the person who I am now was uh, directly related to me doing comedy. Okay, so that was an important yeah. like, moment yeah, for you. Yeah, very, very big moment. Leading up to that moment, was there... Any thought process? Like what motivated you to start it or try I, it? I, I always was just a big comedy fan. Like I'd, I always mm-hmm. sought out whatever was funny. Like mm-hmm. I thought 
laughing at things was the best way to deal with anything. So okay. So growing up, I watched The Simpsons, which sure, has a you know a bit of religious satire in yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, uh, very so, satiric. So very, very, uh, very big into comedy, and uh, just liked making people laugh. Like that. Sure. That was the one thing that gave me the most mm-hmm. value as a sure. person, and I could do it in pretty much any setting. So, so comedy was a pretty natural choice for me. So you just mentioned that you came from a, some somewhat of a religious background? A very religious background. I was raised Mormon. So I and, started and the, comedy right after I was excommunicated from so, the Mormon church. So you've church. been actually excommunicated. Yes, That's yes. It's like a formal yes. thing that happens. Yes. Okay. If I may ask, what led to your excommunication? Uh, I was a missionary in the Philippines for the okay. Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and I started to break some of the rules, okay. including... Uh, Having sex before marriage, which you're not supposed to do that as a Mormon anyway, sure. but it's a real bad thing to do right. when you're a Mormon missionary. And you were in the Philippines. Yes. I was not a Mormon missionary, but mm-hmm. I lived in Japan for four years. And the train station near my house always had like three or four young adults, nicely dressed Americans yeah. who were Mormons, yeah. missionaries yeah, in that, their service, that I guess. That sounds right. Yeah, there's, they're, they're in every country. It is a, I, I think... It was for a while the fastest growing religion because sure. they're, they're always proselytizing. Sure. Uh, I don't know if it's still that because the internet's really uh, <laughs> done a number on a lot of their beliefs. Sure. Because uh, you know they were able to be sure. like, well, here's the facts of the situation, and then they go, <laughs> oh well, that's a, that's a real bummer. A couple of times, just going to the train station because th- those young men were very friendly. Mm-hmm. Of course. Yeah. We would chat, and I'm sure they were trying to get me interested. Yeah, of course. But just being friendly and chatting. Yeah. You'll know what I'm going to say, but I would say something like, hey, after work, we're all going out for drinks, or hey, you want to get yeah. together and play card? Yeah. And it was always no. Like, there yeah. was no invitation no. they would accept. No, because they, they're there to do one thing, and that's, right. you know, work and right. do that. So, you know, there's no drinking. There's no fraternizing, like, with people. Like, there's, right. there's, it's just pretty, like, it's a, it's a soft sell. Yes. But it's consistent, and that, right. you know, there's a lot, and so... Me being the, I was kind of like the ringleader, and I've mm-hmm. talked about this in other podcasts and, and in my stand-up about how I kind of was like this ringleader of all these bad, <laughs> disobedient missionaries, and it was pretty, uh, sure. it was pretty wild, and they, they actually had to change some rules because of me. Oh, well, congratulations. Yeah, I appreciate, yeah. Changing it's, the it's, world for the better. Yeah, it's, that's my, my greatest legacy, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just imagining like 100 years from now, some historian of the Mormon church has to write a chapter about all the rules oh, that were changed. Oh, that would be great. <laughs> the Bill Squire chapter yeah, of the history that, of the Mormon that's, church. <laughs> no, that, that would take a whole lot more, but I, I'm not that uh, involved with it anymore. Okay, so well, sure. Cool. Well, I mean, now what you're involved in is stand-up comedy and a radio personality. Mm-hmm. Uh, in your stand-up comedy of, you know, 2019, does... Satire or religious satire play a role in what you do? Oh yeah, I still because I mean this has influenced me for to to who I am this to this day, and you know it's not always as pointed at mm-hmm. Mormonism, right? But I I try to talk about you know beliefs in general, sure, and how you know the the, the hypocrisy that goes along with sure. a lot of religions and so-called Christians that you know that right. they, they're trying to be like Jesus, but you know are some of the most hateful, bigoted people yes. that are out there. So that's that's definitely worth satire. And then you just have people that are almost beyond satire because they're living in such a way that is, like, it, it's, it's a stereotype, 
like the the Joel Osteens and the, yes. the mega church guys that are flying around in these private jets. I'm like, well, the Lord wanted me to have these jets. I know <laughs> yes. you're having a hard time with money, but the Lord has blessed me yes. and just, you know, appreciate that he's caring for me. Yeah. And that stuff is hard to even make fun of it. It's hard to make it funnier than what they're already doing. Sure. Like you use the word hypocrisy. Yeah. Like hypocrisy is often a target for satire. Yeah. Uh, sometimes, and uh, especially religious satire, yes. because there's so much "do as I say, not as I do." Correct. I think you've always been supportive of local comedy. That's like part of your mission. So I just wonder if you were at an open mic or with some younger comics, and they asked you for advice about satire or should they talk about religion? Mm-hmm. What kind of advice would you give someone who wanted to try to do satire? I, I think if you're going to try and do satire, especially about religion, you have to find like, does it come from a place of hate or is it coming from a place of you know, just trying to understand, like, what, what's what's your end goal with it? Are you just trying to say they're, they're stupid? That's not going to be the funniest thing. Right. So I, I think, you know, there's a way to satire and still be somewhat respectful because these are, like, right. beliefs that people hold that right. hold dear to their heart. And so I, I like to walk that line sure. of trying to find kind of that back door into something that's a little bit ridiculous. But because it's, it's so rote as gospel... We go, well, that's how it is. Like baptizing babies or confession, all those different things that are just like, well, that's what you do. (laughs) Uh, And then you go, well, but like it seems silly if you you look at it from this point of view and you get a little bit, you know, deeper with it and don't just go, well, that's what they said, so that's what I'll do. When it's like, as you say, the Olsteins are just, say, the religious leaders who are either being hypocritical or ridiculous. Mm Mm-hmm. As compared to, like, just a run-of-the-mill average Joes and Jones who might just go to church and don't think about these things. Yeah. So that's, like, a gray area of, like, who your target is. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Like, it's, it's a punch-up situation. Yes. I'm not trying to belittle the person that is going to church and it helps them and it makes them feel like right. they have a sense of community. I understand that aspect of right. religion. What I don't understand is giving someone that's a multi-millionaire more money <laughs> yes <laughs> to tell you that you're going to heaven yes like that's that that i find very right. uh just pretty gross a few years ago i went to the creation museum down by cincinnati oh yeah and i was yeah. posting pictures on facebook yeah and my pictures were all com- comedic let's yeah. just say yeah but i i didn't post anything that like pointed at a person and said look at these rubes i'd yeah. like point at a display and go right. like, look how ridiculous this claim is yeah and I had a couple of people, getting friends who were just being friendly, but who yeah. said I was making fun of the people there. Yeah. And, again, that's why I meant it's a gray area. Like, it wasn't well, my intention to make fun of the people there. And that's there. the one thing that you're going to run into with right. uh, run into with uh, religious satire is people are just so on edge. And, and a lot of right. people are very insecure about their beliefs. Right. Because that those questions that you might whatever you might expose through your satire right might really open something up in them <laughs> and go oh man they're making a good point but i don't want to i don't want them <laughs> to be right so i gotta you know kind of yes. punch back yeah. in a way uh i just posted a video of a preacher that's speaking in tongues sure and while he's speaking in tongues he's also scrolling through his phone so he's got <laughs> his iphone there and he's going Shushabai, hey, and then he just like he's just like reading this thing and just going, uh, uh, and I'm just like, this is funnier than anything I could write. Right, yeah, like that's so funny. And I post it and say, look at this guy that's just, you know, he he's probably making 
six figures off right. of his, you know, off of his whatever he's, he's doing. doing. Yeah, he's he didn't look like he was a a poor guy, and he's just uh and, and that there's there's even my friend was telling me about a Instagram account that it's soul sneakers or something like that. It, okay. and it shows what <laughs> preachers are paying for their clothes. Oh, okay. And so like finds their shoes, these rare shoes that are like. Three and four thousand dollars, and they're paying that, right. and then he's just asking for money and like teaching, you know, about humility and right. It's, it's just and that kind of stuff is what I would rather focus on. That, and then you have, you know, and, and we've been focusing mostly on Christian religion because that's right more at the forefront. But they're all pretty silly. Yeah, like I, oh, yeah. I, 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 there's all there's holes in all of them that you can, you know, and there's a lot of good that's being taught. And I'm always the guy that says. Right. The principles, right, are solid. Uh, I don't need the rest of it. I can I can hear a parable, a fable, and understand right. how to be a good person. My eternal reward is not based on what old book I hold. There's a Japanese Buddhist shrine that recently, like in the past year, unveiled a million dollar android that like recites parts of like Buddhist wisdom, uh-huh. and it's supposed to represent a specific god that teaches compassion. Yeah. And I think I thought of that example because, like, any message about compassion is probably well worth listening to. Yeah. But if your church or temple has a million dollars to spend on this robot, there yeah. may be other acts of compassion that could have, could have been. You could have been donated that spent, money yes. to an orphanage. You could probably just print those up and people could read them yes. and not have, uh, you know, <laughs> Compassion Bot 5000 telling you how to be more Christ like. Which and, is, the, the, I mean, that's right. again satire that is funnier than things like, or that's that's right. that's funnier than anything you could write in satire is a, a robot <laughs> telling you how to be compassionate. Right, like that's hysterical. <laughs> how about just when you're on the road and bring religion into your act? Yeah, the cliche is that you have to be worried about dividing or offending the audience. Has that been your experience? No, or? I think it's again, it's it's all the approach you take. And I always like to take the approach of I, I disarm them with my own experience. Right. So if, as I, I'll talk about the Philippines and stuff like that and use that as, a again, like a backdoor way of getting them in the right frame of mind to be like, yeah, that's pretty silly. And then I'll be like, well, here's some other silly examples of religion <laughs> and the beliefs. Right. And, and again, trying having I'm, – I'm attacking the dogma, not the principles. Right. So that's what I'm, you know, the these things that should be questioned that haven't. But again, if you believe these things and it's making you a better person, right. that's the goal. Right. That, that's okay. But when you are putting the cross or the whatever, whatever right. you know, part of your religion before the actual teachings, then, right. you know, the, the crux of most religion is be a good person. Right. And when you put in other things in front of the be a good person part, that's when I got a problem. And that's what I try to, you know, attack. So you're also a member of a popular uh, radio show here in Cleveland, the Alan Cox Show. Yes. Uh, of course, we can't speak for all the rest of the team. But sometimes I've heard, just as a listener, mm-hmm. religion will come up. There yeah. could be a story. There could be a caller. There could be something on someone's mind on the team. How does you handle the topic of religion on the radio show? I try to do it in the same manner. In that situation having someone else to defend it mm-hmm. i can kind of go at them a little bit more so if it's mary or pound cake and they're <laughs> talking about how they believe these things and then i can you like cite specific moments in their life that makes them <laughs> hypocritical or just not 
actually digging to right. have an have understanding, and they're just relying on faith for no reason. Sure. Which that's <laughs> you know I I can come at them a little harder. Sure. And uh, again, and sometimes it can be perceived as bullying or being sure. over the you know. But it's it's one of those things that I just it has done such a number on my life. It's 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 sure. put me on this path where I had to really separate what was meant to hold you mm-hmm. down and what was actually meant to make you a better person. Right. So I, I, I hope that I can do that for someone else. Um, that I can help someone else say, okay, I get what he's saying. I don't want to continue right. to be this doormat of a person in the name of the Lord. What about um, callers as opposed to teammates? Sometimes I know you get callers. Callers always are a little more prickly. Sure. Yeah, there's a lot of people that, you know, because well, you never know who's listening. And someone that is, you know, a devout set in sure. stone, that's, and those are, they're, they're mm-hmm. kind of fun to mess with. Sure. So it's, it's more, it's more about them. messing that, with them, showing everybody else like, hey, see, you know, here, here's a, a Christian <laughs> that's calling to tell me I'm stupid, you know, right. like, yes. and they'll use words that aren't always the, the, the most Christ-like. As either a comedian or a comedy fan, who do you think does satire well? right now like who out there in the comedy world i think dave Chappelle is still the best okay i think i think with what he did in his new special mm-hmm. where instead of trying to walk a line he just jumped over it mm-hmm. and said i'm over here if you want to hear these things you can and right. uh so i th- and i and i think people are perceiving that more like, as someone that's been doing comedy for 15 years and made comedy a very big part of my life, I understand that he wasn't doing that in any other way than, you told me I can't, so I'm going to. Right. Like, and that's that's the defiance that you have. And then you have the best satire, especially when it comes to, to religion right now, mm-hmm. is The Righteous Gemstones on HBO. Okay. Which is a very funny show, and it's, they're one of those rich right. mega church families, and they are, you know, checking all the stereotype boxes on there, and it's it's very entertaining. Uh, the premise of the book I'm writing, that after September 11th, some comedians and comedy writers made religious satire like a priority, like as almost a response to September 11th. Mm-hmm. And then that's what I'm somewhat investigating. September 11th. 2001. Okay, okay. There's more than one. You're correct. I just want to be, I just want no, to be by, sure. My son's friend's birthday is on September 11th, <laughs> oh, so you have uh, to be careful. What you, you're right. Feel, you have to yeah. phrase it. So uh, the tragic events of September 11th, which may or may not yeah. have been religiously motivated, yeah. I'm investigating whether or not some comedians have used satire to push back against those. Oh, I absolutely believe that. There's there's some that did it in a very brilliant way, and then some that did it in a way that just, you know, you have uh, Jeff Dunham doing Ahmed the Dead Terrorist. Sure. Like, that's, that's probably, you know, it's still satire. I don't think he means it. But it is like putting every Muslim into a box of yes. yeah. if you're Muslim, you're terrorist. And that's not the most effective way to do things. I've never seen one routine make me change my mind about a comedian more than, than that, that one. Yeah. Because his other characters, which he's pretty funny and he yeah. has his, his brand and his and it's stick. And it's silly. And again, like yes. it's one of those things where I don't. I like, don't think he means it in the most mean-spirited way. He doesn't mean way. it in a mean-spirited way. Right. It's just something that he, like, he's like, yep. I got all these jokes that I want to put out there. Yep. And I know my audience is yep. going to respond to them. Yep. And it's just not, but it's, they're, <laughs> just, so, they're so yes. densely focused right. on that. And, you know, it is what it is. Sure. Because they, they have, you know, like any religion, Christians have been a little bit mm-hmm. uh, terrorists at times, too. 
and uh, but that that to just put them together in that one right. Venn diagram and make it a circle rather than yes. like there are Muslims, there are terrorists. Sometimes there's Muslims that are right. terrorists. Like that's he and he yeah. just pushed it all together and be like Muslims equals terrorists. If that's yeah. a example, but an inelegant one. Yeah, you said there were some you thought did it well. Give me at least one comedian you think had a Does comedic. A, a strong think, comedic response. I think John Mulaney does a great job where okay. he talks about religion. Uh, Tom Papa does a, okay, a sure. great bit about uh, taking his daughter to church. Okay. And it's it's talking about just how it, it was so ingrained in him as a child that him taking his daughter who's about you know 10 years old and her seeing what a right. weird <laughs> ritual this is. Right. And seeing it from her point of view it, it's it's one of the funniest stories and, and he does a great job of satirizing all the the different elements of going to like a catholic mass so i, I would put that up there and um before as we uh, creep towards an ending i always mm. like to just make a little space near the end is there anything else about satire that you'd like to say that we haven't covered just anything that important or advice or observation no i think or, i said it all yeah you said, i think i you think i summed up said, satire yeah. like no there's you know we're all done that's now. it done yeah, yeah problem solved yeah, write your book we're um <laughs> recording this interview in early october 2019 how about any upcoming gigs rest of the year november december uh i have a show in november in lorraine uh at Union Town Provisions is okay. you go to BillSquire.com All right. for that and any other upcoming dates that I have what? and then Instagram at BillSquire I'll put links for both of those in the description of this podcast so people can find it easily All right, thank, thank you, very, you much. very much Bill I really appreciate, appreciate you appreciate it well there you go thank you Bill thank you for listening to that you guys we only had a little bit of time because he had to get ready for his show and when that conversation started I felt a little rushed like I wanted to you know, do a good job and I was conscious of time but we got in the middle of it. I felt really good. We were having a real comedian's conversation. I love that, according to Bill anyway, they had to change some of the rules for the missionaries. Uh, I look forward to that book. Not the Book of Mormon. That's a famous Broadway show. But some book about Mormons that historians will write. And they'll have to explain the Bill Squire effect. And uh, I liked his ideas about disarming them. About how religion, if your religion makes you a good person, then you should keep doing it. But you don't need a ancient book or anything in between you and being a good person. And I really enjoyed that conversation. I hope you did too. Hey, thanks for listening. We are the Comical Heathen. Uh, we have a Facebook page. Please uh, like this podcast. Please share it. We're trying to share it with people. It's a free podcast. Uh, there's no sponsors. There's no cost. Just trying to share my work on religious satire. And hey, if you're in the Cleveland area, come out October 20th to Not Your Parents' Basement in 78th Street Studios. Tickets available online. I'll have the link. And also, you can email us at thecomicalheathen at gmail. Hey, if you come across any interesting or absurd articles about religion in your newspaper or online, forward them to me. It just remains for me to throw out a few thank yous. I already thanked Mark Bell for his wonderful organ music. I want to thank my friend Jeff Geddert. Uh, Jeff provides audio engineering advice as well as some um, written material to support this podcast. And I want to thank you. Made it all the way to the end, so thank you for listening to another episode. I'm your host, Dr. Jerry Jaffe.